morning. Uh, as Paul mentioned, my name is Rob Hamilton, and I'm uh, really glad to be here. It's an honor to come and worship with you and to uh, preach God's word to you. Uh, as Paul also mentioned, I spent about 18 years in pastoral ministry and then recently made a transition into uh, running, starting the Hope Center, which uh, is a Christian counseling practice slash ministry. Uh, one of the maybe unique things about the vision I have for it is that uh, I'd like to have uh, a ministry not just in the clinic and counseling individuals and couples, but also to churches where we could do some teaching and training because I see a, a great need uh, for that. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, in my message, but there's a real deep divide today between the clinic and the church when it comes to mental health issues and counseling needs. And one of the uh, things that I would love to be able to do is to help to remove some of the stigma uh, around mental illness and mental health and to be able to equip uh, and create awareness in churches about the needs and how we could actually minister to people who are hurting. Um, in our culture, because I, I have a friend who's on the faculty at Regent University who's a psychologist, and he's currently writing a book and has done tons of research on mental health, health uh, statistics and the, the demand on the, the mental health system, and he said that it would require us to train an exponential number of uh, mental health workers to be able to meet the need. The, meet, the need is way beyond what mental health professionals can handle. Uh, and so the church, he says, is actually one great resource. We can't replace the clinic. I'm not suggesting that. But there's a lot that the church could do as a part of this larger support system in our culture. So I, I get passionate about that. I love talking about it. Uh, but we're here to look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and 7 this morning in uh, a message I've titled, Everybody Needs a Titus. And, and it might have been evident why I called it that as we read that passage, but I'll I'll make it clear, hopefully, uh, Lord willing. I don't normally like to preach from two separate patches, passages in different locations in the Bible, but uh, these two actually go together even though they're separated by three chapters or so because it's Paul retelling uh, an event in his life where he was at a real low point and how God used his friend and co-worker Titus to bring comfort to him. And so these two verses that we've, or passages we've, pulled out that are separated from each other are like two parentheses. And in between there, Paul uh, goes on this little uh, rabbit trail for a couple chapters about his ministry, which happened to be like three of the most profound and powerful chapters in all of the Bible. So it's not like they're not important, but today we just want to focus on this story about Paul and his low point. The four numbers, 2020 have become for many of us a four-letter word. Amen? This is a year that a lot of us would like to forget and leave behind. All the civil unrest, the racial tension, the political vitriol, the cultural divide that we all experience. Some of you have lost jobs, or some of you are watching your businesses verge on collapse. We've all been separated uh, to some extent from loved ones and from friends by social distancing and, and lockdown, and now even our smiles, our faces are hidden behind masks most of the day. And then there's the church. The church is 
meeting again in many places, but struggling to understand what it means to have fellowship and to do ministry in this age. A lot of us have worried about what the pandemic was going to hold. Uh, we've worried about our health. Some have even mourned the loss of loved ones. The uncertainty, the, the danger, the isolation, the division, they've all taken a toll in some way on each of us. And what started as simply a public health crisis is quickly also becoming a mental health crisis in our nation. Depression, anxiety, suicide, marriage problems, and many other things are skyrocketing very quickly. The new normal, I don't know how many of you are sick of hearing that term, but the new normal feels anything but normal. And we're all just hoping that this unprecedented time might eventually become an unrepeated one. I think we can all agree that this year has been a low point for all of us. Maybe not the lowest in your life, but for some of us, it might actually be one of the lowest points in your life. So today, I want to look at this event in Paul's life that we see in this passage from the second letter to the Corinthians. As I mentioned, it's a time when Paul was at a very low point. And he tells us how God comforted him through his friend Titus. And as we look at this passage, uh, we learn that low points are, are nothing new for God's people and they're not actually anything abnormal. And that everyone needs a Titus. Everyone needs somebody that God sends in the low point to bring comfort. In this passage, I want to point out four principles for you. Paul said I had about an hour to preach. That's about 15 minutes per point. That's preacher humor, which means it's not very funny. I've used it probably at every church I've ever preached at. Still gets minimal laughs, but I just love to see the host pastor kind of squirm in his seat as he hears. I hope he's not serious. Uh, But no, seriously, four principles here that Paul writes into this passage that might not seem significant, but is. They also happen to be four principles that guide uh, my ministry at the Hope Center. So the first of these is this. As we look at these two little passages, we learn that everyone, everyone, even the strongest Christians, from time to time, experience low points. We struggle. We suffer. Let me read that again because just in case it didn't sink in, because our Christian culture has inoculated us against this, this idea that if if we're just walking by faith, led by the Spirit, full of Jesus, mature in the Lord, we're not going to struggle with things like anxiety and fear and loneliness and, and worry. And, you know, we'll be above all that in our victorious Christian living. So let me restate, every person, from time to time, even the strongest and most gifted of us, we will hit low points. I want to show you where I'm getting that from in this passage, just so you don't think that I'm reading it into the text. So let's start in in the passage from chapter 2. 
And Paul says this in verse 12, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest. My spirit was not at rest, he says. Because I did not find my brother Titus there, and so I took leave of them and went to Macedonia. What's going on here? So Troas is the... Uh, was the uh, major seaport on the western coast of Turkey on the Aegean where many people who were traveling from the east to Greece or to Rome, that's a great place to grab a ship so that you don't have to go all the way around by land. If you know your Bible well, you'll remember in Acts 16 that Paul was here because all the other doors were shut in the places he wanted to go. God prevented him from preaching in certain places. And while he's there, he sees this vision of a man from Macedonia, which is northern Greece today. And the person was saying, come over here and help us. And that's what led to the beginning of the Christian mission into the area of Greece and churches like Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth, like we're hearing about in this letter, those churches were founded because he saw that vision. But apparently, Paul, on this journey, has sent Titus to Corinth because there's been conflict with the church in Corinth. They were kind of rejecting Paul as their pastor and apostle and listening to other people that were more sensational and charismatic and dynamic and guys that they really wanted uh, to be leaders in their church. And they weren't listening to Paul, even though he was trying to straighten out a lot of the problems in the church. And that's why partly they didn't want to listen to him because he didn't They didn't want to hear the hard things he had to say. And he was really worried about, were they going to receive my message well? Were they responding, doing what needed to be done? And he had probably told Titus, hey, go to Corinth, deliver my letter, because believe it or not, 2 Corinthians is actually the third letter to the Corinthians, but I don't want to confuse you. He wrote another letter known as the severe letter. So Paul said, Titus, take the letter see how they respond, meet me back in Troas, we'll reconnect, and then we'll go on from there. But Paul gets to Troas, it's the end of the year, end of the time of year when you could travel by ship, Uh, Titus doesn't show. And Paul says, even though there was a door open for me in the Lord, I had a wide open door to do mission and preach the gospel, he says my spirit wasn't at rest because Titus wasn't there. He was worried about Titus. He was worried about the state of the church in Corinth. And he was so distracted by this stress and anxiety and concern for Titus and the church that even though a door was open that the Lord had opened, <laughs> Paul said goodbye to everybody and he went on to Macedonia to try to find Titus. If you go to the chapter 7 passage, we see the same parallel statement again as he resumes the story with Titus. In chapter 7, verse 5, he says, For when I came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. So when he's in Troas across the Aegean Sea, doesn't find Titus, he says, My spirit's not at rest. Then he goes over to Macedonia, he still doesn't find Titus. And now he says, interestingly, my body didn't have any rest, right? And so here you have a distress that Paul is experiencing that is mental, spiritual, psychological, and physical. And then he goes on to say what his low point was like by telling us that we were afflicted at every turn. 
The word here for afflicted means pressed. The, the main idea of the Greek term is pressure, when you press on someone. It's what we would today call stress, right? Stress is the pressure of life events that create this reaction in us, even physically, mentally, and emotionally, and even spiritually. And Paul is saying, the great hero, Paul, the great missionary, the, the apostle, this man of great faith, And fruitfulness is saying, man, I couldn't even minister because my body and my spirit, we we were so pressed with the stress of Titus and the church that, that it was really, really hard. Paul's at a low point here. And then when he mentions Titus is coming, he he tells us some more about what it was like for him. He says, not only was there pressure every at every turn. Can anybody relate to that right now? The pressure everywhere you turn. He goes on to describe it in more detail, and he says that there was fighting or conflicts without. That means around him in in his circumstances. There was conflict and fighting, not just physically, but just conflict and discord and division around him. Can anyone relate to that? Does that feel anything like 2020? And then he says there were fears within. And again, can anybody relate to that? Pressures all around, conflicts on the outside, fears within. We all, at some point, experience low points. And for some of you today, that's enough for you to hear because I know that there are some of you at low points and who struggle with things like Paul struggled with, like anxiety. That's what fear is. Paul, the great apostle, the missionary, the hero of the faith, he struggled with anxiety. And listen, I'm going to break it to you. So did Jesus. Because anxiety isn't just a mental illness problem. Anxiety is something we experience just by being human and living in a fallen world. You think the night in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus stared into that cup of God's wrath that he was about to drink for us and it says he sweated like he was sweating drops of blood and saying his spirit was sorrowful even to the point of death. You think that wasn't anxiety? You think he doesn't know what that's like? Several times Paul tells us he experienced fears and anxieties. If you go back to chapter 4, you see a lot of the things he struggled with when he tells us that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. He says in chapter 4, verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And then if you go into chapter 11, you see where he lists this catalog of all his sufferings and difficulties A lot of them were being stoned and being uh, whipped. Uh, But then he goes on to talk about all the dangers he faced. Chapter 11, verse 26. Uh, On frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, uh, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night. The apostle Paul had insomnia. Didn't he love Jesus? Didn't he know his Bible and the promises of God? How weak of him to struggle with things like that. 
And then in verse 28, he says, and apart from all of this, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak. Some of you, that will liberate you today just to hear that it is expected that Christians will experience low points, even in their mental health. For others, it's a wake-up call and a challenge because here's the statistics. One in four people in our society struggle and are affected by some form of mental illness in their life. That means that in this room, if we are any representative sample of the culture around us, one in four people sitting in this room today actively are, have been, or will be affected by some form of mental health challenges. And yet the church often doesn't deal with it or talk about it. Some churches do, and they do a great job. But I think it's really important for Christians just to know that it's a part of human experience, much less Christian experience, to have low points, and God has an answer for it. In the practice where I have my office for the Hope Center, uh, Dr. George Gates, who owns the building, he put this little quote on the wall. You've probably heard it, but I love it. It says, it's okay to fall apart sometimes. Tacos fall apart all the time, and we still love them. (laughs) I don't know about you, but some of the churches and Christian cultures I've been in, it's like it's not okay to fall apart sometimes. And if you do, people are like, don't know what to do with it, and can you go over there and kind of get that straight and then kind of come back and you can be a part of the herd? Paul's saying, I was falling apart. Man, the pressure got to me. And if you're still not convinced, go back to 2 Corinthians 1 where he says it even stronger. Chapter 1, verse 80, he says, We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. Listen to this. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Talk about pressure. Then he says, but we had felt we might even have received the sentence of death, but all this was just to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. The church and mental illness, just one quote I want to share with you. There's a person named Catherine Green McCrate. She's written a book called Darkness is My Only Companion. She's a Christian who also has experienced some pretty serious mental illness herself. She, she writes this, Christian communities still have a fear of the mentally ill. In part, they don't understand mental illness. In part, there's a false assumption that Christian life should always be an easy path. And in part, The problem of suffering is just hard to grasp. If we leave here with nothing else today, I hope you'll take this with you. Everybody from time to time hits a low point, even the strongest of us. I hope the church will be a place where we're willing to meet people there without judgment, without adding insult to injury by telling them this is just because there's sin in your life Or this is my favorite, if you just pray and read your Bible and believe what it says, you wouldn't be here. Who would want to say that to the Apostle Paul? (laughs) Paul, if you just had a prayer life, and if you just had a close walk with the Lord, if you just knew the scriptures and the promises of God, 
You know that you, I mean, remember, this is the guy who wrote, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, submit your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will march around your heart like a guard protecting it. Where do you think he learned that? (laughs) From the sleepless nights and the days of crushing pressure, stress, and anxiety, where he despaired of life itself, and he rose up out of that low place, by the grace of God. Second principle, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Just again, I feel like it's something that needs to be said in churches as we re-educate ourselves and remove stigma. A whole person is made of two parts. (laughs) A body and a soul. Did you see those two parallel phrases where he says, first he says, my body had no rest, then my spirit had no rest. You see why he did that? Because he's saying the pressure and difficulties I was experiencing, I experienced them two ways. One was through this non-physical part of me, through my spirit. The other was my body even reflected that pressure and stress. There are two parts to the human being, one that's physical, one that's not. There is the soul and the body. And for the soul, the Bible uses all these interchangeable words for the different parts and faculties of the soul. There's the mind, there is the spirit, there is the heart. But those are all parts of the soul, and we as whole persons are a unity of those two parts of our being. God formed us out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed into us the spirit of life. And Genesis says that we became a living soul, a living psyche from which we get psychology. So that our stress and difficulties affect our physical experience as much as our mental, emotional, and spiritual. They are all interrelated. Science is proving that more and more that we are what is called a psychosomatic unity. And we will experience stress and difficulty in both areas. Have you noticed that many hospitals now call their mental health divisions their behavioral health departments? Sometimes as Christians, when we become Christians, it's like we stop believing we're human. (laughs) And that our growth in Christianity makes us less human. But Jesus was fully human, as well as fully God. The third principle is this, God always meets us in this lowest place with comfort. I love this little transition phrase he uses, but God. That's the most important part of all of this discussion. Yes, we'll all experience a low point. Some of us might experience mental health issues, but God, who comforts the downcast, comforted me. The way that Paul describes God there by saying God is the one who comforts the downcast means that's part of his nature. That's, the, that's who he is and what he does. That's what he's all about. So when you're in a low place, don't despair as if I'm down here where God can't get to me. I've, I've fallen too far down. I'm too low. God can't reach me here. His arm's too short. God's comfort like water runs down to the lowest place. And I would argue from the scriptures, it always meets us there. You can't sink low enough where God's comfort can't yet reach you. If you go lower, he will go lower still. 
Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. In Isaiah 49, 13, which Paul might have had in mind here, sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth, break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on the afflicted. Looked like it was all over for Jonah. He had gone as deep as you could down to the very bottoms of the earth, the bottom of the ocean. And you would think, well, God could never hear me from there. And it says the first time Jonah opens his mouth in the turning point of the story, it says from the belly of the whale, Jonah prayed. And he said, I know my prayer is going to come before you into your holy temple. And then 2 Corinthians 1, this letter is full of comfort. Paul starts by saying, he praises God and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort others with the comfort we have been comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. The more you are afflicted, the more you will be comforted, Paul says. The more we suffer, the more we will be comforted. I sometimes pity people who have not experienced real depression or debilitating anxiety. You know why? I'm not wishing it on you, trust me. I personally have struggled with anxiety to the point where it has been debilitating, even in the midst of ministry. And it's liberating even to say that in front of all of you. But I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't wish anxiety like I've had on anybody, but I can tell you one thing. I probably know something of the comfort and mercy of Jesus that some of you who haven't had that don't understand. Paul says the lower you go, the more you taste and experience and know the comfort and mercy of God. So don't despair. And then finally, I need to move to my last point. God's comfort usually comes in the face of a friend. God's comfort always meets us in the lowest place. Not always, but sometimes, I would say even usually, it comes through the face of a friend. Do you notice here in this passage it says, it doesn't say God directly, independently comforted me. He says, God comforted me through the arrival of Titus. God uses secondary means, folks. I'll tell you one of the ways I know Jesus loves me. He created this thing called Xanax. None of us have a problem with it when he creates like heart procedures or other statin medications. Or, but for some reason, when it gets into things that can treat the more behave, like physical effects of mental illness or things, for some reason, it's like this huge moral issue for us. <laughs> Titus, Xanax, exercise, good diet, good sleep. Theologians just all call those secondary means. <laughs> Could God do it directly? Yes, does he do it directly? Yeah, sometimes. How does he usually work? A Titus shows up to your door or invites you to their house and they sit with you and they listen and they encourage and they embody the message of the gospel of the God of all mercies and the Father of all comforts. 
tell you some of my favorite people to counsel. Non-believers. Because people never call Pastor Paul and come in and ask if they could talk about their life problems. They'll sit there with you. And before you ever start preaching anything or quoting scripture, you sit there in the room with them at their lowest point. And you look them in the eye. And you reflect an unconditional acceptance to them and care and concern. Which isn't that what God did when he came to us in his son? He entered into the difficult things of this life and said that he loved us and that he would accept us. We all need a Titus who does what the Holy Spirit does, which is the word used here for comfort. Parakaleo, the paraclete. Titus was making the ministry of the Holy Spirit something visible and embodied and tangible for Paul. I've got all these amazing quotes that I've got to skip over because of time. But I've got to read this one. Amy Simpson, Troubled Minds, Mental Illness, and the Church's Mission. Read that book. She says, we can't take mental illness away, but we can do better in the church. We can extend the humanizing, loving friendship every hurt, hurting person needs. You don't need to be trained in counseling or psychology or psychotherapy to be a part of the solution if you'll like Titus show up when people are at their lowest place and humanize them with friendship. And it will make Jesus beautiful and attractive to them. Secondly, it was not just Titus's presence, but his good news that comforted Paul. We need to not just show up, but sometimes we need to bring good news. How many of you could use a little bit of good news? Man, I'm afraid to open my news app in the morning lately. You know, you kind of do like this. You're like, okay. Not as bad as yesterday, maybe. Those of you who know John Krasinski, who plays the, the endearing guy Jim on The Office, remember in March he launched this little YouTube show that went viral and was sold for all kinds of money. It was just this simple idea. It was called Some Good News. And all it was was positive news stories. <laughs> As Christians, we have better than just like, you know, chicken soup for the soul, positive thoughts, or good things going on in the world. We have the good news. And we need somebody like Titus that will show up and remind us what's good. Some of you, Wednesday morning, are going to need a phone call. <laughs> and you're going to need a Titus or a Titusina to call you and say, how you doing? Well, let me remind you of what's good. Heard a story one time from a man at a chaplain's luncheon. He was a prisoner of war in the Korean War, young guy, and they put him in a four-foot-by-four-foot four concrete box in the prison camp. Couldn't stand up. He was there on Christmas Eve, and talk about a low point. Across the world, prisoner in a war, Christmas Eve, snowing, North Korea, cold. And as he sat there depressed, in the middle of the night, he heard scurrying. Somebody scooting up next to his uh, prison cell. And they slid a little present through the window with some food. And this anonymous old man in the dark just said, me Christian. Me Christian. And then ran off. He said that was what fortified him to hang on, to make it home. That God met him in that lowest place and he didn't do it just 
directly, but through a person, through a Titus. So here's the point. God's comfort always meets us in the lowest place and in a friend's face. Made it rhyme, see what it is there, so you could remember it. Paul's like, hmm, sneaky. It may be corny, but I hope you remember it. And let me close with these two questions because I know I, I took a few extra minutes here. Who is your Titus? And do you have one? And then maybe more, even more penetrating for us is, are you a Titus for someone else? Is there somebody you need to knock on their door and visit? Is there somebody you need to pick up the phone and call or Zoom or FaceTime with? And just show up and be there. And if you have the chance, after you've listened, after you've listened, tell them what's good. Amen? Father, thank you for the comfort that you give to us. Lord, we want to be a church and a people that reflect the same mercy you have shown to us in the gospel by being a Titus for other people, being willing to enter people's lives, that we would be able to share the comfort we've received from you with others. And so we pray that you'd make us sensitive and mindful people, that no one would need to be alone or suffer alone for lack of your people being available. And so move us today, not out of guilt or fear or anything like that, but just move us out of love and concern for others to be a Titus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.